right, all right, day 91. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. Uh, we come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so this is coming out on a Monday. And I just want to uh, say I hope that you had a great uh, Good Friday um, and Resurrection Sunday uh, weekend. I pray that you were, you were able to uh, just celebrate uh, the beauty and wonder and miracle and truth and reality it is that our uh, God, our Savior, Jesus, is actually uh, risen from the dead and that he sits on the throne right now. And he reigns. Um, and so I pray that you would celebrate that every day, not just on one Sunday throughout the year, right? <laughs> not just every Sunday, right? But every single day that you would live in allegiance and fidelity uh, to our King. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to jump right into Psalm 21. So remember, we've been in the Psalms, right? And the Psalms are uh, this Christian prayer and praise book, this uh, Jewish, it was also a Jewish prayer and praise book uh, for centuries. And it testifies that our God reigns and our God is king, right? Our God is king and he reigns, right? And so uh, Psalm 21 <clears throat> Last time we left uh, left off talking about how the community uh, was praying for the victory of a king, right? They were praying for the king to have this victory, and they knew that his victory meant theirs, right? And so today, when we pick up in Psalm 21, basically this psalm is going to talk about uh, the way that God came through on this prayer, right? On this prayer made for victory. And historically, these two psalms have been linked. So remember, we said not all of the psalms are, are literarily connected right they're not all uh they don't all have a relationship uh to one another if they're next to one another but some do in 20 and 21 uh do so he says this lord the king finds joy in your strength how greatly he rejoices in your victory right verse five his glory is great through your victory you confer majesty and splendor on him so he goes on and on <clears throat> talking about this uh glory and majesty and splendor and joy and this faithful king hear this is praising and thanking God for the a victory he accomplished through him. Now, I love this psalm because if you look at verse 5, you have similar language that was used in Psalm 8. Remember, we talked about Psalm 8 a few days ago, and it talked about <clears throat> humanity being crowned with glory and majesty, right? And what the text is saying here is that uh, original humanity, Adam and Eve, what they failed to do in the garden, right? This king comes and does in their place, right? And verse eight shifts and it says, though they intended to harm you and devise a wicked plan, they will not prevail. What's he saying? In other words, the psalmist is saying that no scheme or plan against God and his king, right? That being for us, ultimately Jesus will prevail. <laughs> no plan will prevail no sin no false teaching no amount of persecution no amount of uh, rival theologies and philosophies no amount of division no amount of injustice no amount of false converse and etc 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 right nothing will prevail against him um and because of that we sing his praises psalm 22 if you read this today uh you're familiar probably with this passage right and the bible uses this scripture uh over and over uh, psalm 22 and especially for last week right uh psalm 22 was spoken by jesus on the cross matthew 27 um, um uh, mark 15 um and he says this at the very beginning my god my god why have you abandoned abandoned me uh historically this this psalm has been called the cry of dereliction, right? So Jesus, once again, will say this at the cross. And first and foremost, we got to understand it in this Old Testament 
context, right? It is a psalm of an innocent sufferer, right? So before Jesus even used it, in uh, 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 innocent sufferer was crying out to God, right? Saying, why have you abandoned me? However, in light of the coming of Jesus, it points forward to his crucifixion, right? However, again, a lot of hours. However, <laughs> um, at the end of this psalm, man, it extends past that, right? It talks about this celebration and this praise and this vindication at the end. And it's so funny that when you read the gospel accounts that's the, where Jesus uses this psalm, so much of what this psalm says happens in his actual life. Right from him being mocked, from his clothes being cast at his lots, the whole nine. And, you know, it's important for us to remember, I think on a practical note, that there are going to be times in this life, right? Because we follow Jesus, because we follow this crucified king, because his kingdom is cross-shaped, right? We will possibly cry. It would seem as if, it would feel as if, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, right? And it sucks and it's painful, but this psalm tells us that that is not the end, right? That is not the end. That was not the end for Christ. And that is not the end for us, right? And as Jesus took the punishment for our sins and suffered to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? We see that after that, three days later, he was raised, right? So this Psalm technically going from this uh, great problem to the praise, glory, and vindication of uh, uh, glory, you know, um, is a pattern for Jesus's life, right? Jesus' life goes from death to resurrection. It goes from suffering to glory. And the same is true for us. So know that suffering is not a dead end for those who will one day be resurrected. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, man, has to be one of the most quoted, celebrated, preached upon, memorized psalms in the book of Psalms. And you know, all throughout the Old Testament, it's going to use the shepherd imagery. So all throughout the Old Testament, God is mentioned as a shepherd of his people. He cares for his sheep and he protects his sheep from wolves. Right. And more than anything, one of the things I love about this psalm is it shows that God as a shepherd, part of him being this shepherd is him being a leader, him being a guider. Right. One who leads us. Right. It says he leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me along the right paths. And I just want to say to somebody listening to this today that life hear this life isn't so much about always knowing where you're going. It's more about knowing who you are following, right? It's not always about knowing exactly where you're going, where you're going to end up in this five years, 10 years. It's, not, it's, it's really not about that. It's about knowing where you're following, right? The Christian life, hear this, the Christian life, man, is about playing follow the leader, right? It's about following wherever God would lead you. And we follow a God who cares for us, more than our minds could imagine and protects us even when we don't see it or realize it. And so the in place that the psalmist says, look at look at verse five, like he's like, yo, the metaphor is going to shift from, you know, that of a shepherd and sheep to that of friend and fellowship. Right. So he says God provides this essentially this type of hospitality, this invitation of blessing and fellowship um, and friendship. And there's nothing anybody could do about it, <laughs> right? And then verse six ends on this high note. I love verse six because it talks about, you know, dwelling in the house of the Lord. Now, it's so interesting that the house of the Lord in context is so important. The house of the Lord in the Old Testament, remember this, 
the house of, house of the Lord in OT was only supposed to be occupied by who? Levites, priests, high priests, right? Both the temple and the tabernacle so that they could perform the work of sacrifices. So David, once again, must be speaking more than he actually knew at the time. He must be talking about heaven where God really is and where he will be uh, with us forever when he brings heaven to earth. And, you know, you say, how do you know that? Well, he says um, he wants to do this, not just today or even for a long period of time, but literally in the Hebrew, um, all the days forevermore. God is a shepherd that cares for us so much. And the best thing about it is that his care never subsides. His care will bring us all the way home. Psalm 24. Psalm 24 is about the king of glory, right? Remember, one of the, the, the big theme of the Psalms is about the Lord's kingship, about the Lord's reign. And he's going to ask this rhetorical question in the middle of the Psalm that gets at the heart of the Psalm as well. He'll say this, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? What we learn, fam, what we learn is that God, <laughs> apparently, at least in this Psalm, is on a mountain and that he's holy. Right. And one of the biggest questions of scripture is how could sinful men come into the presence, men and women come into the presence of a of a holy and royal lofty God. Right. And the Bible actually says they can't. Right. And but it gives a solution. Right. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Um, it says that, you know, those who have clean hearts. Right. And those who have clean hearts, right? That's why Jesus will say in Matthew chapter five, this just came to this just came to me in a moment, this for free. Uh he says, um, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because they will see God. And it's something about being clean, right? The Lord wants to make our hearts clean, which leads to our hands being clean, which means that we're changed from the inside out. And the beauty of this is that not only does the glorious king, the king of glory, invite us to come into his holy place, he enables us, right? He enables us to do so. And he does that in the death of Jesus Christ. Listen, the next time you lift your voice to sing and worship the King of glory, remember that he made that reality possible, right? Our King is one who is a strong warrior, who the Psalm mentions is mighty in battle the whole nine yards, right? And defeats his enemies. Um, but ironically, he defeats them by dying for them, right? And bringing them into his family so that they can worship him forever. You were saved to worship my prayer is that you would worship today the King of glory and that, that worship would extend into eternity. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your grace. Uh, we pray that we will worship you today, God. Help us to remember that we were saved so that we might worship you today. Uh, Moses said um, to Pharaoh, uh, let my people go so that they may worship the Lord on his holy mountain. I pray that we would remember that that is our goal and our destiny forever. In Jesus' name.